All right, you guys, welcome again and again and again to another episode of Behind the Visual, where I interview all the people responsible for those pictures and videos you see out in your world every single day. I am your host, advertising lifestyle photographer, Mark Hansen. And today, I have a repeat guest. I think you guys really liked him the first time, so we had him back, Frank Maddox. And Frank is the VP of Creative Services for Warner Brothers Music. We catch up a little bit with him and see what he's been up to lately. Uh, we talk about the Deftones' most recent album, Ohms, and how he came up with the cover for that album, that concept for that, which is a really cool uh, cover concept, I think. And um, we talk a little bit about his new Instagram page, Archive, A-R-C-H-V, so you guys need to go check that out for sure. And we talk about how the Deftones have had their own line of beer, which evidently is very good, and they are um, very hands-on about it. We talk about an art exhibit that he's a part of that was supposed to be live, but hasn't gone there yet. You can see it online, but hopefully it will be live at some point, and that will be in Atlanta. And we talk about a phone call that he got from an extremely, extremely big celebrity in the music business and what it was like getting that phone call. So you have to listen to find out who that was. So be sure and check this one out. It's lots of fun. It's a cool one. You know you're going to like it. Be sure and like it. Thumbs up it. Subscribe to it. Share it. Comment on it. All that kind of stuff. And let me know what you think. The whole Deftones thing. The new album, Ohms. Where did yes. the idea for that album cover come from? It looks like one of those, my initial reaction when I first saw it was, it looks like one of those things that's just full of nails and you stick your face on it kind of thing. I because, love that. Yeah. <laughs> it was cool. That's really cool. In fact, in, um, after, we, after I made that cover, one of the marketing ideas was to kind of, somebody came up with, it reminded them of that same thing. Um, and they were like, what if we made this, you know, this little thing that like, you know, had the, the pins that kind of like formed that, that picture. So that's funny that you say that. Um, I think a lot of people brought different things to what they interpreted, you know, that cover um, to mean, um, you know, th so that's an interesting, it's funny to talk about like the new album, because that was what, right, uh, was, September of last yeah. year. Um, <clears throat> but we haven't spoken for a minute. Um, so you know, that was another one of those situations where like we didn't have a clear idea going into it. Um, I kind of uh, was just uh, given a few songs to listen to, I think maybe some, maybe not even, yeah, some songs and some lyrics. Um, you know, Chino, who's a singer, and I had some kind of uh, conversations about maybe keeping the aesthetic a little bit more kind of um, do-it-yourself, a little bit more lo-fi, um, kind of more of like, a, you know, I, I don't want to say like a punk aesthetic because it's not a punk rock looking right, cover, yeah. but just the approach to it being a little less refined, maybe. Um, and I did a bunch of um, ideas as I always do and kind of actually like very different directions. Um, and that was an image that I had that I thought was really cool. And I actually um, did different renditions of that image. Like in, if you've seen any of like the merch or, or stuff related to that yeah. album, I've used it like in a line art version. Um, 
that that version that's the cover is all kind of like made up of all of these dots there's like over 10,000 dots on the cover oh, that makes wow. up that image um and that like was one of the ideas that I presented to the band and it seemed to resonate with them and uh you know they sat with it for a long time because that was um like the start of COVID so when I was working on that was like January February of 2020 presented the ideas the guys were you know had the stuff and then we immediately went into lockdown so then like correspondence got like kind of funky um there was even some other ideas that we kind of threw in the mix for a minute um but that one always kind of rose to the top and then you know we finally pulled the trigger on it sometime in um 2020 and then just developed the rest of the packaging yeah, it was cool man yeah when i first saw it i was very interested in it yeah it made me look at it harder and check it out a little more but yeah that was very cool. i liked the image you know there's there's so many i have so many thoughts behind that image um i think it's successful in that it isn't it, it communicates so many different things to different people people saw it as being like kind of morose or sad some people including myself i see it as more of like kind of like this hopeful kind of like a gaze like a gaze up to the yeah. heavens kind of thing um and people wrote a lot i mean there was conspiracy theories about like what it was people were doing um some of the fans were taking the image and overlaying it um on top of like pictures of chi who is their bass player who right. passed away saying oh my god this is an homage to chi and like i actually kind of like saved some of the um the things that people would send me on instagram and stuff where they were actually taking the image and like trying to figure out where it came from and everything um and what the meaning was so it was it's interesting. I think anytime you can inspire that kind of like, you know, that kind of talk and that kind of chatter and that kind of interaction, it's, you know, you've got something that is cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to pull it up real quick just for anybody who hasn't seen it and share my screen here. If I can figure out how the hell I'm doing that. All right. There we go. Uh, share screen. Where is it there? Share. There. So yeah. Okay. So I just want everybody to check that out and see what it looked like. Thank you. Yeah. But yeah, it's very, like I said, when we started talking, that's, yeah, the first thing I thought was like the whole nail thing, but. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So was that the, the main conspiracy theory? that was going on? With that, that was the main, there was another, there was something else that I'm forgetting, but it was literally, oh, I'm trying to think about what it, oh, so another, another person, I had done an ad mat for a summer tour that they were going to do that never happened. It was with them and Gojira and um, uh, Poppy. And I had another image that I used that was like this screaming face. And that was way before I did this image, but um, that was like a summer tour ad. And people were saying, oh, it's, it's actually just this image, but just the eyes. And they would take the image into Photoshop and they would take my cover and they would drop it in and they would show people how it was. And it was just interesting to me that like people were, I love that they do that. And, yeah. you know, they're engaged. And it was like a surprise to me. Like I was finding something, <laughs> there was something else like that I'm forgetting, but the big, you know, the one that was a little too kind of was, I don't know. It was um, the one about Chi was interesting, although it isn't true. I thought, well, that's kind of a nice note, you know, that's kind of right. maybe a nice, um, I'm not going to discount that, you know, because yeah. if that's what somebody sees, then that's okay. You know, well, that's, that's what is it it's in its seal. I think he doesn't print his lyrics for anything because he wants you to make your own assumption as to what the song is about. And, and I think especially with the artwork, 
it's, you know, it's even better to do that kind of thing because everybody's going to have a different opinion. <clears throat> so I think it's kind of cool that people come up. With, but I've never heard of conspiracy theories off of album cover art. Like I know, I'm like happy this, that I'm unless there's something like You're really definitely. major on it. Yeah, so that's cool, man. <laughs> I think it just it speaks to the fans, honestly, because when you put things out, they're going to dissect it. And it's they are probably one of the most like loyal, rabid fan bases of any band you know, and um, they do that stuff. Like anytime they release a, even a little piece of something, the, 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 the fans go nuts trying to figure out what's happening. And so you engage them in those things. How's that beer selling? It's fantastic for them. Yeah. How's yeah, it it's, it's, it's great. You know, um, they taste amazing. Really? And, you know, they've, yeah, you haven't had any? I haven't, no, I haven't even seen it. I don't know if they can. You haven't seen it? Sure. It is hard to find, um, you know. So the first one that they did was um, called Phantom Bride, and it was uh, based off of a song off of Gore, um, which was the album before Ohms. So every subsequent beer is a relates to a different track on a different album. Um, but the first one they did, did Phantom Bride, is like their flagship beer, man. It's like going five years strong. It's like in every store. I mean, I could walk down to my local uh, liquor store right now and probably find it in the in the case, you know, they really? got it at Whole Foods. Um, they have it at Whole yeah, Foods? Yeah, so it's, yeah, yeah. All right, I'm gonna look for it here because I haven't yeah. seen it, you know, when looking around, but I haven't really looked that hard, but I'm gonna-, I'm gonna Yeah, it's, it it's been doing fantastic for them and they've probably done, I don't know, we've probably done five others and, you know, more in the works. So um, all different flavor profiles, all different, types of beer it's not like just they have the same beer and they're putting a different label on it every right. time like you know they're all different and chino works i think chino and the band work closely with the guys at belching beaver to kind of develop those flavors and everything um so it's pretty cool yeah that's very cool what made them do you know what made them go with beer over like metallica did a whiskey american whiskey was there a reason they went with beer over the whiskey they just like i don't know i or? can guess i don't know the exact answer but i can guess that it's because most of them enjoy drinking beer yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know um i know chino for one is like you know when he was living up in oregon he became quite the you know the hop head and was like you oh, know yeah. kind of like really into different beers and stuff and i think that's actually when it kind of like the relationship kind of started um and, you know, the guys love their beers um, throughout the years. And I, I think that it's uh, it's just really cool because they actually develop it with them. It's not just like a beer company going, hey, throw your label on this. Right. You know, they have a, a say in it, which, you know, is really cool. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen the you... fact that it's good beer, you know, like people buy it because it's good. I think, you know, obviously the fans buy it because it's theirs. But I think. They probably have people that weren't familiar with them buying it after they had it or something just going like you know because they like it as a beer yeah which i think that's good as opposed to just taking some crap beer that somebody made and throwing a label on it just to try and get people to buy it yeah that's not good for anybody because then no. it's you're associated with something that's bad and that's not oh, good yeah. yeah should do a whole little documentary on them doing it you know on them they had a cool um when they first did phantom bride they had a great kind of teaser campaign they did that showed the guys in the brewery with the with the guys you know and all the the bottles coming off the line and all the labels being printed and them tasting it and having a good time so yeah i mean a well, little cool. docuseries would be great um but there's definitely some stuff out there that shows their kind of interaction or anything oh that's very cool okay so i've noticed on um instagram lately you've been putting up some stuff like sticker packs 
but you've got sticker. Are you selling these sticker packs? And do you have, or is there like sticker pack one, two, three, 15? How's that going? Yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing, huh? For it's cool <laughs> to do at this at this point. I, I, you know, I. It's a funny thing, and I don't exactly know why it came about. I mean, I know it why it came about, but I don't know why it came about when it did. I feel like, um, to answer your question, yes, I'm I'm making some stickers and selling them here and there. Um, you know, it's, it started like in the height of like being you know at home during COVID, and kind of like. Um, it's twofold kind of like finding some ways to just have some art, you know, make some art that had no purpose except for that. Um, and, and then also kind of like realizing that there's this whole culture out there. There's like a, there's a, a amazing sticker head culture that exists. Um, and I've always been interested in street art and things around the street. And since I can remember, there's been stickers, on mailboxes and on yeah. poles and on walls. And I've always loved that stuff. Um, taking pictures of that stuff, um, documenting it all, collecting it. Um, and then I, I don't know quite why I did. I've always been interested in that stuff, but then I just said, well, let me dig into this a little bit deeper. I started reaching out to people on Instagram who I would find their, their moniker or their sticker on the street. And then finding how easy it was to actually connect with somebody whose work I just saw on the street. And then I go on Instagram and then here we are and we're chatting. And um, I started the sticker thing as kind of like another Instagram account to like document all of the stickers that I was seeing. And it was originally called Sticker Archive. Um, so then I said, well, instead of just documenting it, why don't I start to get involved in this a little bit more? And instead of, you know, asking people for things, why don't I trade with people? Because that's the whole thing is that oh, people yeah. trade. So the whole big thing is, is like, you know, you have some cool art. I would like to, you know, get some of your art. So I'm going to give you some of mine. You're going to send me yours. It's a full trade. So I dropped the sticker part of the sticker archive and I just go by archive now. So that's kind of like my other little moniker that I'm doing stuff with. Um, and what's funny about archive is like, yes, it was part of the sticker archive kind of thing, but archive for me is like what I do. Like it's, you know, I take all these photos, I find all these weird graphics, and I find all of these interesting paints, you know, uh, things that I paint and scan and keep. And it's an archive for me of all this stuff is how I make my art most of the time. Yeah. It's, it's I'm pulling from all these resources. So it has this weird, once again, going into it, I didn't know quite what I was doing, but coming full circle, it's like, it kind of makes sense. Um, so it's like this, it's just a fun little thing, you know, and, and, and getting to know some of these guys that are making cool stickers and there's so much great art out there. And like, it's just a, you know, cool thing to have dip my toe into. That's very, are you selling, have you started selling them? Yeah. So I sell them here and there. Well? I'll tell you, it, it doesn't go well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's, it, what's funny is for me, it isn't about like, you know, the, the monetary aspect, I think just goes back into me being able to, you know, make some more stickers that are pretty right. silly for a 40 year old man to be making. But, um, you know, it's, it's more about just the connection with people and having and playing that game, you know, having, having, it's like your business card, you know, it's like, okay, well, I have these to give you and you give me some stuff. And, um, you, I've now my stickers are like all over the world because I've given them to people and they've given them to other people and send me somebody oh, sends me cool. a picture from Copenhagen and it's on a wall and I'm like 
that's crazy. I don't even know how it got there, but that's cool. You know, very cool. it's pretty funny for me because yes, I've done albums for 20 years and those albums are all over the world yeah. too. But like, this is a, <laughs> another little tiny piece that's also just kind of fun to track and, and like kind of, kind of do. It's, I it's can cool. see that being a little cooler because it's not like you put on this album that gets distributed everywhere and it's got this money back in it where this is literally just people just exchanging it and handing it off and sending it to friends and whatever. And then to find out. Like, yeah, you, you just said cool. it. Yeah. That's it. And, and what's funny is that the kids or the, the people, not kids, but people doing it are really passionate about it. And like, if you send people stickers, they do something with those stickers, you yeah. know what I mean? Which is, it's really cool to see that like people are not only collectors, but they're also involved in the act of like getting your work out there. So it's really interesting. That's very, where do you get it printed? all over the place, you know, through Instagram, I found all of these places, you know, some are like kids literally in their backyard that are like screening things. And I'm fascinated with that too. Oh, wow. um, or, you know, larger companies that can offer big printing services, but you know, it's like, it's, it's, um, you don't have to spend a lot to do something that's pretty cool. To me, yeah. it's like a little piece of art, you yeah. know, it's like a tiny piece of collectible art. Have you thought about doing NFTs? Dude, 100%. Yeah, Dude, if I hear someone crap. else telling me that, <clears throat> I know. My wife, her assistant, and her ex assistant, the two of them are friends. And the ex assistant is some like computer engineering hacker genius kind of dude. And the guy, her, her current assistant, is like a little more artsy, but he still does some computer stuff. Well, they came up with this thing called Trains of the Century or something, some game you play online. And they made NFT trading cards for the game. The games they don't even have a game yet. They're this the game has not been released. They're still finishing up the developing part of the game. Now, I mean, I have so many questions about that. And this this whole new frontier is amazing to me. But like, so how who were the people that bought those? Like, how did they know about that? I have no idea. They they came up with some little website that they're doing that's promoting it. I don't know how they're promoting it supposedly it got so much publicity that as far as nft trading cards go they were just below mlb so baseball was like the major league baseball was like just barely above them and it's one of the top two three trading so yeah. somehow they got into like the top five maybe top three of the nft trading cards immediately that's amazing some cool pictures yeah I mean, that's so cool. They did it. They found some dude who takes pictures of trains and his mm -hmm. thing is just taking pictures of all these trains, paid him like $8,000 or something like that. And then for the rights to use all these images. And then they took them and totally tweaked them and made them into these cards with these stories behind them and then sold them. I mean, like I said, 32 seconds or something like that made $150,000 off the NFTs. That's just insane. I mean, power that props to them. That's great. Oh, yeah. I was like, how the hell? Can I want to do this? it. I understand it. You know, it took me a minute to get my head around it. I, I totally get it now. Um, I've been listening to a ton of podcasts about like, you know, fine artists doing it. And, um, you know, of course, like the Beeple story and all these things. Um, uh -huh. I basically need someone, I need some help is what it is like i need someone to or go maybe i need to go onto one of these platforms like nifty gateway or something and just poke around a little bit um but yeah i would love i'd love to do it well, if you're interested man let me know these dudes they're basically they want to start um an agency that's to, mm -hmm. like almost like a modeling agency or whatever for people who to do nfts so they would take a cut 
and they put yeah. it out there. And so if you're interested, hit me up after that. I am interested. Yeah. And I'll get you in touch with them and you guys can talk and see if they're still into it and what's, if nothing else, they can at least probably tell you what to do to make it happen. Right. Yeah, I'd love to do it because I mean, I have so much stuff that's like in books and sketchbooks and, you know, just things that are ready to go that I think, yeah. you know, hopefully people would be interested in. I mean, it's not going to be again, I don't think it's going to be like a money maker type situation, but it's, it's about, you know, allowing someone to, you know, own a little piece of something, you know, and the thing that's cool to me is if that thing goes on, and then someone sells it a year from now, it's all traced back and we can make right. a cut on that, which is, which is cool. Cause that doesn't exist in the fine art world. So that's for sure. Yeah. 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 That's the part I think is very cool. I was talking um, to um, Guto Araki. He's over at Deutsch. Well, he was at Deutsch LA and now they kind of pushed him off into another place. And he was talking about how he knew all these um, artists or heard all these artists complaining about it when it first happened. Uh, they're all like, no, that's not real. You can't, they shouldn't be able to yeah. do that. And like, dude, this, it's like fighting. It's like being a photographer and fighting digital. Yeah. You know, it's going to happen. So you need to figure out how to go with the flow. Well, what's and, funny is, I mean, I've been actually diving in pretty deep to it. it you know, it's, so it's like the digital artists were the ones to first capitalize on it. Right. Because right. their stuff is ready to go for that. When those were the people that I think weren't taken seriously by like the art world, mm -hmm. you know, um, to begin with. So it's like, well, you're not if you're not putting paint on a canvas or something, this and that, you're not a real artist, you know, the digital guys, but they, right, they yeah. surely are and they're amazing. So like when that hit, then everyone's going like, well, what are the, you know, those guys are like cashing in on it and everybody else is trying to like figure it out. Um, I mean, myself, I thought it had to be a digital piece of art, but I'm now coming to understand that it doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, created uh, as a digital or an animation or something like that. It can just be, you know, one of one type of situation. Yeah, what I don't understand is I heard one of the columns of the New York Times building sold for like half a mil as an NFT. That I don't understand. I don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. You can That's an actual physical piece. So I don't know. Yeah, you can walk that. by that and go, see, I, I own that. I can't yeah. do anything yeah. with it, but I paid half a million for that. And then at the moment, that's mine. Yeah, I don't know. That part I don't get. The art stuff I get, the digital art stuff I get, but that just, I'm still trying to wrap my head around that whole thing. And how that I'm happens. not an expert, but I, I do feel like it's, it's going to, I think it's always going to be around. I think a lot of people thought like, oh, it's going to be like this crazy thing for a minute and then it's going to die off. I don't think that it'll be to the level that it is now. I just think that it'll be more common for, you know, artists to offer physical things as well as, you know, right. NFT type of situations. Yeah. Yeah. My, um, my wife's assistant, his biggest fear is that the government's going to crack down on the use of cryptocurrency. And so that's why and what, like seize it. it? Yeah, and just yeah. like you can't not seize it necessarily, but just say that it's no longer you it's no longer going to be considered. You can't sell it. You, it's almost like drugs. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to be like you can't use cryptocurrency for anything. And I don't know if it'd be like, hey, if you have it, too bad, or if it like you need to cash it in immediately because we're going to shut it all down. That's his biggest fear. That's why they immediately yeah. cashed all that crypto and put it into the bank so they would have it. But I don't know. It seems to me like it's I can understand that a little bit. I mean, it's kind of weird, right? It's like this, oh, this yeah. currency that just exists that you have no, you know, I'd want to see it in, in cash too or in my bank account. Like I, I understand that. I don't yeah. understand the yeah. mining part. 
I don't understand uh, I don't, mining yeah. for it. So I'm completely, I did hear that China yeah. like shut it down or was shut it, part of it down or something. So yeah, I think that's what I'm with you. Doing. I haven't covered mining yet in my podcast, so I'm not there yet. <laughs> yeah. I know it's very, it takes a lot of power. I've heard. Yeah. And I think I was, oh, this was, I was watching billions. Have you, did you watch that show? No. It's a good show. So if you get a yeah. chance, but the guy, the main guy, his kid went to some private school and he was like, and the kid figured out how to mine for crypto. And so they used the school's power and set up like all these computers in the basement of the school. And, sh and basically they were using so much power to try and mine the crypto that they shut all the power down and just blew all the fuses for the whole school. Yeah. So I guess it's extremely powerful. I think that's the thing with that's China insane. where they're saying it was, basically it was something the environmental crap is you know mm -hmm. they were, that's what their excuse was but i don't know if that was too really. much for the grid to handle yeah yeah so i think that's it's crazy part of it so to, on the same kind of thing talking about the artwork what's the deal with the future happened exhibit that's some cool stuff can you kind of i went on the website i read about it kind of know but i want to, can you explain it to everybody who's listening and watching and all that what's work and how you got into it and all that kind of yeah thing. That is a really cool thing. I have to kind of, um, it's been a minute since I, since all that happened. So I have to take a look at it too. Yeah. Um, it's a really great um, exhibit that was originally planned to be um, kind of like in a physical space, like a more traditional type of, um, uh, you know, interactive exhibit that you would go to. Um, but then of course, you know, COVID seems to be the topic of the, of the day, but that yeah. kind of like shifted things. So it went all um, all virtual. Was it going to be which in is cool. Yeah, I believe so because it's okay. all through the museum, the um, Museum of Design Atlanta. Right. And um, the way that I was included is that a good friend of mine, um, Lawrence Azarad, who is a designer that I've worked with throughout the years, he actually was at Warner Brothers when I first started, was asked to help curate the show. Um, so he reached out to a bunch of people, his contacts, and kind of like brought in this eclectic mix of artists and designers and, you know, people making really cool stuff to kind of be a part of this whole collective. Uh, I mean, some great company. I mean, you know, there's like some legendary um, album art people in there from, um, I think Peter Savile's in there and Jamie Reed. So Peter Savile's like, you know, Joy Division, New Order, like, yeah. you know, Design, design God. And Jamie Reed um, is like Sex Pistols and, um, PIL and all, and kind of like that more punk rock aesthetic, which is also like, you know, my holy grail. I want to pull it up and show some of the yeah, me too. stuff you did. All right, let's do this. Uh, yeah. There we go. So yours is all Deftones, is that right? So, right. So, so Lawrence approached me and, and I think what they do in the exhibit is kind of, well, I don't know if they did it for everybody, but for me, he wanted to do a deep dive into my relationship with the band and the visuals over, you know, the last 20 years, which is kind of crazy. Um, yeah, wow. So I literally, you know, combed through the hard drives and pulled out a bunch of stuff for every record um, and sent them these kind of like, you know, very detailed folders of all of the, I think at that point, it was probably seven records that I had done with them. Um, and you know, it's a nice interview there. There's some some nice text that was written. Um, yeah, it's it's a nice Short kind hair. of like not a 
Yes, yes, yes. Sitting in the same area, but just, you know, eight months earlier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> same spot. Um, but uh, yeah, it was really nice. And I think it's actually really cool. Like, I'm glad that we got to focus on that relationship and kind of like all the art that we've made throughout the years because um, it's, it is pretty special. Yeah, I was just checking this out. Like, there's some really cool stuff on here. Some There's that poster box. of the screaming girl. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was done right oh, before. Oh, what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. So we got that and from, where is it? From there. Exactly. Okay. I so, yeah, I was honored to be a part of that. There's some fantastic um, people in the uh, in the mix on this one. Yeah, dude, this is... See, I think all this stuff would be killer for NFT stuff. So here's the thing. I mean, yes, it would be dope, but like, I don't own that stuff. That's true. Know? Yeah, like, but I mean, your style, yeah. like this kind yeah, of stuff, yeah. and just stuff you have on Instagram that you do, it's that same kind of style, yeah. which I think- Totally. Would, I think so too. Yeah, I think it'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. That whole thing, is it said something to do with the music industry, right? Yeah, so it's all focused around music, and there's you know there's a um, some pretty heavy kind of um, things to read as far as like uh, it's I mean the subtext is designing the future of music. So it's all about, and, and then they've got it broken down to these subcategories like healing, power, community, tech, timeless. Um, so they've they've taken different artists and fit them into these kind of like subcategories, and they talk about how their work kind of like transcends you know out of just doing you know graphics or whatever they may be doing for the music but then you know appeals to the community right. um so it's it's pretty heady stuff and it's pretty cool do you think they'll ever do a physical exhibit of this or will it just stay online i sure hope so you know it's funny i was going to reach out to lawrence and just see how things are doing because within that each artist was also given a platform to be able to sell things so I threw in some posters that I did and then some of the stickers too, to kind of connect the dots a little bit. Um, so I feel like, you know, they have all the assets and things are starting to kind of open up a little bit. I think it would be fantastic if they could do something, you know, maybe not to the scale that they were thinking about doing it, but even I see, you know, I feel like they definitely could. So yeah, that'd, that'd be really great. cool. Yeah, I'd go to yeah, Atlanta. I'd like to see this stuff in a physical space. And I, I'm sure they had, you know, kind of sonic experiences and things that were, you know, you could interact with and things like that. So, um, yeah, it'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I'd go to Atlanta for that, for sure. Oh, yeah. Check that out. Yeah. You got a lot of band photography. Do, do you only shoot bands that are with Warner Brothers or do you have other bands reach out to you after seeing your work and like, hey, shoot our band? And if they do, are you, can you do it or you just, do you do it? That's a good question. I was doing more of that in the past. Um, I'm trying to think. I think most of the stuff that I do is probably for Warners. Um, I would do some things here and there for maybe a friend of a friend or something or an artist if they needed some help. Um, yeah, I think the short answer is yeah, but the majority of the things that you're probably seeing, whether it's Deftones or Green Day or Gary Clark Jr. and all that stuff's through through Warners. So that, right. that gives me the bulk of my my projects. All right. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I get this for me, like when people ask me if I'll do a what senior portrait or something yeah. like that. It's one of those things. Ninety nine percent of the time, I'm saying no. 
unless yeah. it's you know somebody that I'm already like you know that kind of thing, and I'll agree to it then at that point. And then I'm not charging because I'm just doing it just because I like them and I'm willing to do it. But yeah, most exactly. of the time I'm gonna say no. So I have uh, a hard time saying no. Yeah, you know, yeah, I do. It's uh, even people reach out to me. Smaller bands are interested in working with me through Instagram and stuff, and I try to hear them out you know and and i like making art so it's like um it, unless it's just a really bad concept that i don't feel like i can achieve or the budget just doesn't make any kind of sense i try to work with people you know people have been reaching out to me just wanting to buy images i've already made oh, but yeah. it's it, it's on my instagram so i'm like okay well in that case that's great you know you can license it or something like that but um it's again I, it's I like seeing the stuff out there and I like it finding a home and, and some people, you know, like this image really speaks to me. It's what this album's all about. So like, you know, and, that, and that's really cool. Yeah. See, that's a little bit different situation. I could see me doing yeah. that yeah, yeah. easily more than like, Hey, can you take pictures of my 17 year old for, <laughs> for seeing totally. just for a senior picture? And most of the time there are people I, you know, friends or friends or something like that. And like, I'm sorry, I don't really do that. But I'm, I'm nice about it. And I give them the name of some people I know who do that. And they love doing that. And yeah. like, you know, here you go. Talk to these people and do it. All right. I was told that I have to ask you, because you touched on it before in our last one, but we didn't talk about it. I just completely glossed over the Madonna thing and just went, oh, that's cool. And we moved on. But I had some friends who heard it. And they're like, we got to know what was it like with Madonna? How did all that happen? What was the work process like? Did you meet her? How much time did you spend? You know, the whole they want to know everything about Madonna. So whatever you can tell me about when you worked with Madonna would be great to make these people happy and give them what they were asking for. Well, I'm sad to say that I'm probably going to disappoint a lot of people because there isn't like a fantastic magical story about working with Madonna other than I can say I worked with Madonna. Um, I was working at Maverick at the time, which was her label, you know, so oh, I'm like gosh, working right. at the place that she started. Um, I never met her, um, but she did a song for a James Bond soundtrack um, right for Die Another Day um and she needed single art to release so i was fortunate enough to kind of get that task and um i was given some photos that she had actually done for a um for magazine spread um like right around that time and so we were able to commission or like license the photos from the magazine for our usage and then you know i had nothing to go on we i don't think we we're allowed to use any of the james bond key art or anything so it was literally just like kind of like i had these beautiful photos of her um but like kind of odd because they didn't tie into the james bond thing at all but like okay let's just make a single cover that is madonna so i did i designed um some single covers and um she approved one and it was really cool so i mean you know just the fact that i got to say that like um i was able to do that is really cool. The, the really cool story is that um, she called me at the office uh, maybe a week or two after doing it. And I get the call and I think, you know, um, the coordinator in our department passed it through to me and she's like, Frank. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, it's Madonna. And I'm like, <laughs> that's like the craziest call to get. I'll and bet. she said, I just wanted to say thanks for your hard work. Cause it was like kind of a rush process. Like, you know, kind of a, a manic situation. She just said, I just wanted to say thanks. And I love what you did. 
And then the next day or even that day, she like sent this huge thing of flowers to the office. Like, so out of every off, uh, person I've worked with, I've, I've never had that happen. You know, like, yeah, some, you know, you, you never get that phone call from right. somebody at that level. And it was like hearing like, Frank, it's Madonna. That was just like, <laughs> so crazy. And I'm like, I work, you know, at your office. Like I'm at your record label. We've never met. Um, it was just kind of surreal, but really cool. Yeah, that's a trip. I can't even imagine going somebody going, hey, Mark, it's Madonna. Like, uh, I know. Why? It's weird. It's <laughs> like one of those times you wish that like it was recorded or something, or probably not because I was probably a fool on the other on the other end. But, yeah, be, you know, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Okay. <laughs> no, it's pretty awesome though. And, you know, just the fact that uh, we kind of cross paths like that is great. Yeah, that's amazing, man. You've had some, you've got a cool life so far. I'm sure it's just going to get better. I hope so, man. From from your mouth to you yeah, know, God's ears. Yeah, absolutely. So, speaking of office, this is probably the last thing I got, and I'll let you go. Are you guys back in the office? Are you still working? We are not back, as you can tell from my uh, from my home office. Uh, we're not back. We're hopefully going back at some point after Labor Day, okay. and um, but we don't exactly know what that looks like at this point. Which I'm kind of hearing from other people, kind of the same. Um, I think some of the people are back in the office from time to time right now, but like they're saying for the full on kind of like return to office sometime after Labor Day. And and they haven't given us any information as to, you know, whether that's three days a week, five days. Um, you know, I kind of hope that like, you know, I, I know that during this time, everybody's done a really good job of staying connected and being productive, um, maybe even more so. I mean, I think when we spoke last time, I was talking about how you know, being at home was actually kind of good during that last year because I was able to focus on things um, during what was like a really busy year for me. So I think that a lot of people were able to do that. And I think that like we, you know, we showed that we can, uh, you know, don't have to be in the office uh, every day to still make things happen. So yeah, I've heard that from a lot of agency people yeah. or that kind of deal that it's actually worked out really well for them, this whole working from home thing. And yeah, I hope that the mindset changes, especially like for the creatives, because it's not, you know, we don't necessarily need to be in that office culture every day. And in, in fact, I kind of find it like distracting at times, like, you know, I'm kind of like, if I'm called into meetings, you know, more than I want to be, or it, it actually takes me away from doing the things that I need to be doing, which is, you know, making these visuals. So, um, as you probably know, when you, you're able to just focus, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and just kind of be in that creative space, it, it you know, that's where good stuff happens. So um, hopefully a more relaxed version of return to office would be good. Yeah, maybe they'll give you, like you said, like two, three days a week kind of a deal or something. Yeah. Like yeah. Be nice. Yeah. My wife's company, they all went back, um, but they did treatment for drug and alcohol. Mm -hmm. So they had to do group treatment. The people were loved. I mean, the, the, Employees, not necessarily, they like being at home, but the people who are doing the treatment love being there in person. But I have a guy who lives across the street from me. He's a lawyer. He's like, there, mm -hmm. his company's like, you can come back. You can do, basically, you can do whatever you want. You can come back, you can yeah. get a hybrid, or you can just stay home all the time. So I think a lot of companies are changing up based on whether you're productive or not. Yeah, I think so too. And I, you know, I think that there's, uh, you know, there's days where we're all going to need to be there, right? There's a big meeting or like somebody's yeah. coming in and that stuff's like, that stuff makes sense. But for day to day, you know, keeping more cars off the road and like, you know, like that doing the commute doesn't need to happen. You know, it's, I did uh, hear one good point about the whole being at home thing when it comes to art, 
was if you have a group of people working on something, the theory was there's usually going to be like some alpha male or female mm -hmm. that will kind of like shoot down stuff as people are bringing it in because they think their idea is better or whatever. Or if you're working from home, everybody has time to develop those art ideas and then send it in. And then you get to look at it a little more objectively and maybe come up with better ideas than if you had all been in a group together, just pitching ideas out to each I other. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I think that's, that's pro it's not something I've experienced, but I think that that's an interesting kind of case study there because there's probably those people that are making great art, but maybe they're not the strongest personality in the room, you know, yeah. and other people that are like, you know, kind of your, what you're saying, the alpha people who are like, you know, kind of ready to roll over something and kind of take charge when uh, maybe that, that shouldn't be the case. So to let everything kind of like come in and like, let's judge it based on what it is. I think that's really cool. Yeah. I think especially if you're new, especially if you're yeah. new to the company, you're probably gonna be a lot less willing to speak up and like push your idea. If somebody 100%, goes, oh, I'm not really yeah. sure. You're probably like, okay. As opposed to like, yeah. pushing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. That's very interesting, actually. Doing it's almost like doing things in a vacuum, kind of like you know, it's like uh, you're just left to be creative and work on your things, and then kind of like let's see which is the best solution. You yeah, know, I agree. I like that. Well, man, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Hundred percent, man. Yeah, uh, thank you. Yeah.